What's up, cheeseheads? Welcome back to episode six of Talking Cheese with Toph and Jim. I'm feeling pretty damn good this week, Toph. We came back with another W, improving our record to four and one, winners of the last four straight. How are you feeling, sir? I would say now that the heart rate slowed down a little bit, I'm feeling pretty good, to be honest with you, my man. It was definitely a, a nail biter, a lot of different points of the game, but the end result was what we were hoping for, so can't complain. Yeah, you are not lying. I don't know if today was the first day I stopped sweating from that game, whether it was in excitement in the overall end or just how the game ended, but man, was that a thriller. But before we get into the game itself and start the recap, let's get into a little bit of news leading up to the game. So going into the game, we did have some injuries on the Packers side. We, again, had Elgin Jenkins out, missing his third straight game. And his offensive line partner, Josh Myers, our rookie starting center, was out as well for his first game. No notable injuries on the Bengals side. However, it is worth noting that Joe Mixon was active for this game. Now, eventually it did lead to him playing a limited role, but he was on the field as well as Kevin King back for the Packers, which with our banged up secondary was nice to see as well as as awful as it might be to say that for us. But how do those injuries play out for you, Toph? What was your thoughts on the injuries? Yeah, as crazy as it is, definitely was happy to see Kevin King was back given the secondary injuries. But you could definitely tell the Packers were missing Jenkins and Myers. That's for sure. Alrighty, other than the notable injuries this week, the Packers did make a couple splashes in the free agency world, which is not common. We signed Jalen Smith after his surprise exit from the Cowboys. And then we also got Rasul Douglas to shore up that secondary a little bit with, again, you know, Jair being potentially out for the season at this point, which is awful. But how do you feel about Smith and Douglas? Jalen Smith is a an interesting prospect and guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm intrigued by both. I'll admit I, I don't know a ton about either one, but I was very intrigued by the Jalen Smith signing, that's for sure. I will say I was one of the many Packer fans that had my – Stephon Gilmore hopes crushed. Definitely really felt like we were going to be able to sign him, but the Panthers willing to not have him tough to week six and trade for him. So can't really blame him there. Yeah. It wasn't that something tough. I was also one of those Packer fans that had that hope that, Hey, he wants to sign with green Bay, which was exciting to hear about, but eventually didn't happen. It's crazy to think that a team can in quotations, release a player to the media. And then an hour and a half, two hours later, they get traded for a future sixth-round pick. You know, we know how much those Patriots value every draft pick they can get. And he only went for a six-rounder. So that's insane. That's insane. Yeah, very true. But, I mean, part of me thinks that it was, you know, leaked early before it could possibly be official to welcome any trade offers. Because at that point, if you're going to release them anyway, you're probably not going to turn down too many trade offers. People are willing to do so, or if people are willing to give up a draft pick for somebody who's going to be a free agent otherwise, I should say. Yeah, I definitely see the the strategy behind it, most certainly. Why just give up nothing when you can at least get, who knows, that six-rounder could turn into something eventually. Yeah, for sure. They say Belichick runs a pretty tight ship, so any leaks that, you know, quote-unquote leaks or information that comes from that organization, you always got to at least wonder if there's some possible ulterior motive behind it. Oh, most definitely. That man is about as tight-lipped as you can get. So you want to see who truly wants Gilmore? Release him and and somebody will bite and give you something in the back end. All right. Well, that's enough of the news leading up to the game, Toph. Let's get into it. The Packers ended up winning, but how did we get there? Let's hear about the first half. The first half started off pretty slow. Packers got the ball first. Short drive. Punted it away. That was followed up by uh, three and out from the Bengals. The Packers' second drive was even worse than the first. The second play of the drive, Rodgers threw an interception to Awuzie. Luckily, the Bengals were unable to capitalize. Quick three and out, punted it away. Uh, that was followed up by another Packers punt after three plays. Bengals' third drive is when the action started. They had a series of short passes and runs capped off by a P. Ryan reception for four yards. The first score of the game. 
The Packers' fourth drive was a seven-play drive that included two receptions by Devontae Adams for 51 yards, and it was capped off by an A.J. Dillon touchdown, a receiving touchdown, rather, of 12 yards. And Mason Crosby then proceeded to miss the extra point, so the score at the end of the drive was 6-7 to seven Bengals. Wasn't that a nice catch by A.J. Dillon on that? It's so nice to see him being involved in the, the pass game this year. And, I mean, it wasn't, like, an outstanding catch by any means, but he had to go up and get it and got over the goal line. Interesting to note as that on that as well is Rodgers officially passed Marino for sixth all-time in the overall touchdown list. Yeah, that was also beautiful to see. That's for sure. I love to see A.J. Dillon get involved in the pass game since that was the biggest knock on him, at least that I, I knew of, him coming out of college. What little I knew about him anyway, but – he sure looks pretty good in the passing game in this game. Touchdown is was the first of a couple nice catches. After that, the Bengals had another three and out. Uh, their third of the game, I believe. And the Packers came back with a 36-yard drive, capped off by a 44-yard field goal uh, to make the score 9-7. to So not a terribly exciting game up to that point. The Bengals had another three and out after that. That was their fourth one of the game. On that drive as well, Joe Burrow got absolutely lit up by Darnell Savage. That man is so freaking tough, tough. It's there's this, you know, aura going around that all oh, that that hit wakes him up and he likes to be hit. But man, that guy just has zero regard for his body. Yeah, that's for sure. He I definitely noticed that too. He seemed to get up after every hit. There were a couple that I was kind of wondering. <laughs> Is he going to get up? How quickly is he going to get up? But he's, he seems to hop right up. <laughs> he actually honestly does seem to enjoy it. I think you're right. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers gave him some pretty good advice, though, on McAfee. Might be uh, time to start sliding a little bit more. There were some pretty pretty hard hits in that game. Yeah, he would be a wise man to listen to that, especially with the offensive line that's in front of him. He's just going to get just annihilated when he just goes out there and turns into a madman. Yeah, that's for sure. From there, the Packers had an 81-yard drive, including a a reception by A.J. Dillon for 24 yards and capped off by Devontae Adams' five-yard touchdown, bringing the score to 16-7. After that, the Bengals, I'd say, answered in a pretty big way. After that, the Bengals answered in a big way. Only took them two plays to score, the main play being a 70-yard touchdown by Jamar Chase. And the Packers didn't really have uh, much to do after that. Rodgers got sacked by Trey Hendrickson for a loss of six. And the second play before the end of the half was a false start, which, of course, led to a 10-second runoff and that drained the rest of the clock. Not a terribly eventful first half, but I'd say we definitely got some action, that's for sure. Packers got their offense going a little bit, and the Bengals uh, got one of their go-to quick score plays in. What did you think of the first half, Jim? Pretty uneventful until that long drive by the Packers to score their first tutter, and then obviously that play to Chase, which was just incredible. Darno Savage actually like nicked the ball on that, and Chase still had the concentration to bring that in. That play alone was just, just crazy. That is a bright, bright future with Chase and Burrow, that's to say the least. But yeah, it was the Packers had the lead going into the second half, 16-14. You, know, you can't really complain too much with that you know it was not exciting it's kind of a sloppy game but hey had the league going to the second half man yeah that's that's usually what you ask for especially in what honestly didn't think i'd be saying this year but it's been a pretty high-powered bengals offense i will say as far as joe mixon being active he didn't really make too much of an impact especially in the first half at all which my fantasy team wasn't too happy about but I will say I was. As much as P. Ryan did, I think Mixon, if he would have been fully healthy, not limited, which they didn't advertise him as, but he obviously was, he probably could have made an even bigger impact than P. Ryan did. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree. Mixon it didn't really get a lot of opportunities either in the first half, but you know, it seemed like it shouldn't have been as close as it was, I guess. It only holding a two-point lead going into the half. But again, you take away that that long play to chase right there. Even if you hold them to a field goal, 
in 16-10. I just feel like the Packers had some missed opportunities there. And then you look at the stats, and Rodgers was 17 for 24 for 203 yards, two tutters, and obviously the one pick. And Devontae had six receptions for 112 yards in the touchdown. So you just you think with those kind of the numbers, they would be a lot more in control of the game, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. Also, if you take into account, I think, like I mentioned already, the the fact that the Bengals punted, had so many three and outs and punted four different times, and the Packers' offense was on the field so much, it really it really did feel like they should have had a much bigger lead than they actually did. I would agree. But yeah, I think you're right. When you get a 70-yard touchdown, I mean, that usually changes the momentum in a pretty big way. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you look at the total yards, and the Packers had 239 yards, so the Bengals 142. You're always going to be happy with that kind of yardage going into the second half. I mean, assuming they didn't have you know great field position the whole game, starting the game and everything. But, yeah, it just seemed like that game should have been a lot more in the Packers' control than what it was. I completely agree with you there. All right, tell us about the second half. All righty. So the Packers held the 16-14 lead going into the second half where the Bengals got the ball first. So on their, their first possession there, there was a nice little pass to Jamar Chase for 28 yards. At that point, Jamar had three catches for 105 yards. He was very impressive. Again, you know, the bulk of it came in that 170-yard play. But that was closely followed up with a mistake made by Joe Burrow throwing the ball up. It was a wobbly ball, kind of just tossed it up there. Kenny Clark was pressuring them. And Adrian Amos had the interception, gave the Packers the ball back. With that possession, the Packers then had a very mediocre drive, drove the ball down, and capped off by a 44-yard field goal by Mason Crosby to bring the Packers to a 19-14 lead. The Bengals then had their second possession of the game, which started with some worry for myself as Devondre Campbell had a hurt shoulder at that point and was questionable to return. Now, luckily for us, later in that in this drive itself, there was uh, spotting of De- Devondre Campbell back in the game. So back in the game, good to see there, not a worry there. On fourth and two, the Bengals then were going to go for it, actually did go for it, had a rush by Joe Burrow that had the first down, which was brought back by a holding call on the left guard. It was an easy call, pulled him right over, which then obviously led to fourth and 12, which the Bengals eventually punted. The Packers' second half started pretty slow with an Aaron Jones rush for five and then an Aaron Jones rush for four. Tripping on third and one. Got the Packers the first down, which Rodgers launched the ball to Devontae for 59 yards. Huge play to Devontae. We haven't really seen those big chunk plays by Devontae this year. It's been a lot of just dinking and dunking, picking up those yards and those consistent first downs catches. That got the ball down to the six-yard line. At that point in time, Devontae was just going crazy. He had 10 catches for 186 yards, and that's just as the third quarter was starting. How about that play to Devontae, Tove? Yeah, that was a beautiful play indeed. It was amazing to see him get involved in the deep game. I know it's not necessarily his game, but it's definitely something he has the ability to do. And it was amazing to see it out of him there. And yeah, 10 catches for 186 yards. I mean, I will say my fantasy team didn't appreciate going against him and those stats. But the fantasy that we'll talk about later definitely appreciated it. Yeah, that was great to see. Unfortunately... The Packers squashed that opportunity and kicked a field goal. 22-yarder by Crosby, which led to 27 straight field goals by that man. Up to this point, Mr. Consistent. We will get more into that later. Which then led to the Bengals' third possession. They marched the ball down the field. They didn't have any huge chunk plays, but they was capped off by an eight-yard rush by Mixon. And they went for two. Nice play there to T. Higgins there, which brought the game to a tie game, 22-22. Packers' third possession of the half then started on their own 25. Aaron Jones had a giant rush for 57 yards. Huge play there. Crucial time in the game. We needed that. However, that eventually led to an incomplete pass on third and 10 to Devontae. Rodgers had him in the end zone. He just overthrew him slightly due to pressure. He regretted that throw. He talked about it on McAfee. He wants that throw back. He hates missing those. And to be honest with you, it's just weird seeing that this year because it's been pretty consistent 
him just missing those throws that he's just historically made. And to make matters worse, Mason Crosby ended his streak. 36-yard field goal attempt missed by Crosby, which ended up being a pretty common theme here. The Bengals then had their fourth possession of the game. There was two minutes and seven seconds left on the game clock, and they started it with the ball on their own 26-yard line. Started with a nice play to Tyler Boyd for nine yards. Two-minute warning, stopped the clock. They drove the ball down to the field. The Packers had pressure on Burroughs all day. On first and 10, he ended up throwing the ball away. And then on third and five, P. Ryan had a rush for three yards, made it a fourth and two. Packers used their third and final timeout, which was then a 57-yard field goal attempt by the Bengals cookie McPherson that at that point in time would have given the Bengals the lead with about 30 seconds left. Luckily for us Packer fans, he missed the kick, which led to the Packers' fourth possession of the half. They started on their own 47, 26 seconds left in the game. Started first and 10, passed to Devontae for 20 yards. We've seen it all year. Everybody knows it's coming. For whatever reason, they don't guard this man close enough. Rodgers finds him every damn time. Packers then went down, spiked the ball. 51-yard attempt by Mason Crosby with time expiring to win the game. Toph, what were you feeling at this point? Oh, I mean, in my head, I still had complete faith in Mason Crosby. 51 yards. He can do that in his sleep. He hits that kick. That's all she wrote. No more worries. I was feeling the same way. I got up. I was excited, ready to pop the bottle of champagne to celebrate the win. But old Mr. Reliable Mason missed the kick. It sucked. It was awful to see. But, hey, we still have a chance. Let's go to overtime. Bengals' first possession of overtime. First and ten. First play of overtime. Joe Burrow threw it directly to Devondre Campbell. Where the hell was Burrow throwing it to, Tove? Honestly, it kind of looked like to Campbell, but obviously, no, it's not true. But that's that's kind of where it looked like. It was right to him. I have no idea what Burrow had in his mind there. But it's hard to say if it was on Burrow or if there was some miscommunication there on the wide receiver's end. Either way, though, I love to see Devondre Campbell getting involved yet again with another huge, huge play. Oh, absolutely. We have to talk about Devondre Campbell being one of the most. That led to the Packers then having the ball in overtime for the first time. First down, Aaron Jones had a rush for a loss of a yard. Second down and 11, Aaron Jones rushed for a loss of four yards, which led to a third down and 15. Packers decided that was enough of trying to move the ball up the field. After Mason Crosby missed two field goals, we still had faith in him. We sent him out for a 40-yard field goal, which he missed. Mason Crosby had three missed field goals in the last four minutes and four seconds of the game at that point. My heart sank. I was going through the ringer at this point. I was sweating bullets. It's, I didn't know what to think, Tove. Where was your mind at? I was devastated at this point, man. I'm going to be honest. Long term, I still have complete faith in Mason Crosby. But as far as this game was concerned, my, my faith was running out for sure. Just I can only think of one other time when he had this bad of a game. And he's always Mr. Clutch, all reliable. Even when he missed the extra point earlier in the first half, I wasn't really too worried about it. Mistakes happen. But at this point, I was pretty nervous. Yeah, man. I just was hoping with everything that I had that we got another chance and Rodgers just found Devontae for a big play because I didn't have much hope for Crosby at that point. Obviously, I love the guy. He's been all reliable, but I can't begin to think what your head must be going through with three straight missed field goals in the most crucial part of the game. But that led us to the Bengals' second possession of overtime. They marched the ball right down the field. Eventually led to came to a third and two, which I really thought the Bengals were going to pass the ball. They've had success going to Chase throughout the game. Even on that drive, there was a nice play, beautiful catch by Chase. Initially ruled incomplete, reviewed, and it was did end up being a catch. So in third and two, they gave the ball to Joe Mixon, had a rush for one yard. Led to fourth and one, which is a 49-yard field goal for the the Bengals rookie kicker, McPherson. And what did he do, Dolph? He missed it again. Seemed to be a very, very common theme, at least in the fourth quarter in overtime. He missed it again, Dolph. I couldn't even have imagined this. What a just awful display of kicking. But, hey, I'm not going to sit here and question their job. I couldn't begin to think what I would be thinking at that time, kicking that there. I know I couldn't have done it, but... Man, what a rough day to be a kicker in this game, that's for sure. 
Yeah, you can say that again. I've always thought, honestly, that it's one of the tougher jobs in the NFL in terms of like the amount of pressure that you have, the fact that you either have to be extremely clutch and never miss to be appreciated or hated because you missed a couple here or there that were important. Yeah, absolutely. And there's only 32 of those jobs in the in the world. So it's it's a pretty important position and there's a lot of weight on those shoulders. That then led us to the Packers' second possession of overtime. I was happy to see it. We got the chance we needed. On second and 10, we had a giant play, a 20-yard gain to big dog, Mercedes Lewis, which eventually led to a second and 10, and Rodgers was sacked by Trey Hendrickson for a loss of six yards. That sucked, brought us to a third and 16, and Aaron Rodgers did what he does best and found old reliable Randall Cobb for 15 yards. Almost got the first on that one. It was fourth and inches. At this point, it was a 49-yard field goal attempt. I wanted the Packers to go for it. I didn't have – I mean, it's not that I didn't have faith in Mason. I was just questioning where Mason's head was at at that point. Again, I can't even begin to imagine where my head would be. What were you thinking at that point, Tove? Did you want the Packers to go for it, or did you want to send Mason out there? I was with you. I wanted them to go for it. In my head, I thought the best option was to hand it to A.J. Dillon, let the big guy get the couple of inches that they need. That's what you got him for. Oh, absolutely. We were having success with the run game. Just get the first down and let's get the tutter. But Matt LaFleur disagreed. He sent Crosby out there. It was a 49-yard field goal attempt. And Crosby delivered Toth. He ended the streak of missed field goals right through the uprights, never questioned it, and the Packers took home the W, 25-22. to I got up and gave up a, a good old yell in excitement. Could finally stop wiping the sweat off. My hands were clammy. I got real excited. How about yourself? Yeah, I was going nuts, man. That's for sure. My heart was still racing at this point. Absolutely an insane ending to what was a crazy game. Mason Crosby breaking two streaks that game. One good, one bad. So it may have taken him four chances, but coming through in the clutch nonetheless. Yeah, he sure did. He sure did. I'm I'm excited he made that kick. His his headspace has to be feeling a lot better at that point. And we got the W, man. We got the W. Alrighty, Toph. So that was that game, man. It was a nail biter. It got the blood pumping, but the Packers got the dub. But let's point out some stars. Mine, I'll take the obvious this week, Toph. We had the connection between Rodgers and Devontae. The best connection in the league. The number one wide receiver in the league. And I'll be damned if I wouldn't say Rodgers still isn't the number one. He had 344 yards, the two touchdowns, the one interception. He was sacked twice, but with the offensive line at what it is right now, I really can't complain about that. And then Devontae just went berserk. 13 catches, 206 yards, the one touchdown, and of course, that absolute bomb for the 59-yarder. What did you think, Toph? Yeah, I'm with you, man. That's definitely the those those two are definitely the stars of the game. I mean, that connection was on point yet again. Like you mentioned, that beautiful bomb downfield to Devontae. Just overall amazing stat lines. Doesn't get much better than that for the connection between the number one wide receiver and the number one quarterback in the league. Hell yeah, man. They just couldn't stop him. I just don't understand why any team does not double cover that man at this point. Or if they are, is is it just is he just that good? Is he just everybody in the world? Everybody in the world knows where twelve is going and where his first look is every play, and they just cannot stop Devonte. Man, it's crazy. It is truly a mystery. I agree. Well, who did you have, Toph? I took the obvious one this week. It was a gimme. Who did you have? I'm gonna go with AJ Dillon. He didn't make any impact at all in the running game, but in the passing game, on the other hand. He was, gonna, he was the Packers' second-leading receiver. He had an impressive 49 yards off of just four catches, but he did have a touchdown, and his longest catch being that 24-yard reception I talked about earlier. Not a stat line that's going to jump off the page at you, but for being a power running back, pretty impressive game nonetheless. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree, man. He didn't do much in the rushing game, only averaging 3.8 yards, but... 
man, has he been valuable in the passing game this year, which to be honest, I didn't expect, you know, we all know Aaron Jones is dynamic in the passing game and what we're going to miss with losing Jamal, because that's where he made his bread and butter. But has he delivered or what this year? The quad father is the real deal. He sure is, man. I completely agree. I love the pick when they made it and I love, I'm loving it even more now. The perfect compliment to Aaron Jones. Man, it really is. It really is. And at the end of the day, it's it's really nice to see Jamal eating in Detroit right now, too. You know, it sucked l- losing him, but I understood it. It's a business at the end of the day, and, and AJ's on a rookie deal. He's obviously proven he's a stud, but it's really nice to see, see Williams going off over there. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've always been a huge Jamal Williams fan, and even if he did go to a rival team, I could – Definitely can't wish him anything but success. I'm always happy to see when he when he's doing well. And that man is still always smiling, always having a great time. Yeah, man, he sure is. He's just such a, a joy to watch on the field. Just always has a smile, throwing his hair around. He's just so awesome. All right, Toph, I think that's enough talking about the heart attacks we both had with the Bengals. It's on to next week, and this week we have the Bears. We're going to do a special segment this go around, which we will repeat later in the year as well. We do have a sister podcast that is the Bears Den with Rick and Bill. Unfortunately, they are Bears fans, so we're going to have to try to enjoy their company here. But how are we doing, boys? Doing real good, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Jim, thank you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well myself. Coming off that dub as much as I was sweating, it feels good. It feels good being 4-1. and one. It is our pleasure having you guys as well. I'm looking forward to this segment here and then again later in the year. But let's kick it off. So let's get down to the meat and potatoes. I, I want to hear first from you guys. You guys are the guests here. Uh, how do you... How, how do you like this matchup? What do you think? Tell me. Try to convince me, if you can, why the Packers are going to win this game. Sure, Rick. I'd be happy to, buddy. I think first and foremost, I mean, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. I think historically the Bears have a pretty big uh, problem with Aaron Rodgers. I know pass rush is a little bit better this year than in previous years, but... Aaron Rodgers always seems to get the job done. Aside from that, I'm not really sure that the Bears have anybody that can cover Devontae Adams. Those are the two biggest points for me. What do you think, Jim? Well, I would definitely have to agree with you. The Bears don't have anybody close to Rodgers on an offensive level. Our receiving core is a lot better as well, starting with Devontae. But on top of that... Although our line is, or our offensive line is very, very banged up right now with three of our what would be opening day starters gone, they're playing extremely well right now. So I would even give the Packers the edge in the O line department as well, with Field just being under constant pressure so far. The only thing I would really say is, hands down, better that the Bears have is that front seven. And it is ferocious. You know, leading the league in sacks is not a joke by any means. But, yeah, I think the Packers are an overall better team. What do you think, Bill? Well, man, I appreciate the assessment. And, you know, I will say that, you know, the Packers have had us in the recent rivalry, taking it all the way back to, you know, Aaron and Cutler in the 2010 NFC Championship game. Uh, I go back there and, I, you know, you heard Rick say it, you know, we're 3-20. and I think I should probably be convincing you reasons why I think we should win. So here's the, here's the reasons I think that the Bears can top um, top the Packers this time. Uh, number one, the front seven, you said it, uh, number one in sacks and really getting pressure on all quarterbacks constantly throughout our games has really helped keep us in the game. You know, holding a Raiders team who had been averaging 25 to 27 points to nine points is a reason that I think our front seven can wreak some havoc on Aaron who hasn't not been, you know, he hasn't gone untouched. And then number two, the run game, you know, we're kind of finding our emerging identity and it being with the run. So I think if we continue to do that, we showed we can do it without David Montgomery. And I think that's another reason why we've got a slight edge over you guys. Although great run game. Um, Aaron Jones had a quiet 100-yard day. It seems he gets lost in the shuffle between the big day between Devontae and Aaron. So kudos to you guys. And then I'm gonna. this is the real reason. And it's the reason that 
it hasn't been around in the rivalry since you guys are going to have to go against an adequate quarterback. I call it the Justin Fields factor. You officially now are going to have to play against another person who makes their living, living winning. And um, I'm excited to see this be the kind of the birth of these two, Aaron and Justin going back and forth. And I think he's going to help us get the edge this time. I think you're going to see a couple of different things. I think we've been holding a little back on the Ferrari. And I think, uh, those are the reasons that we beat you guys. Not to mention your defensive injuries without uh, Alexander and Zadarius uh, Smith. It could be a little tougher for you guys. So even out that secondary, if you will. But Rick, what do you think? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Aaron Jones because you mentioned Montgomery missing this last game. And coincidentally, Aaron Jones and David Montgomery have the exact same amount of rushing yards with David Montgomery missing a game. And David Montgomery has yet to put the ball on the ground like Aaron Jones did once. So obviously your, your thought process, uh, talking cheese guys, that your offensive line is better than ours. I mean, we're able to get a rookie rushing for 50 plus yards. We got Damian Williams who can't make a choice on what hole to take rushing for touchdowns pretty easily. I don't know. I think our offensive line is probably just fine. Um, also, uh, the big, big thing that Bill hasn't mentioned that I think gives us a good opportunity here is though you guys might be 12th in points putting up on the board, we are ninth in points allowed. So we don't need to put up a lot of points. We might be 29th in points that we're putting up, but we put up just enough to win every single time. And I think we can do that if we can get after Aaron Jones. Oh, Rick, really quickly, I got the updated stats on those points allowed since the Raider game. We are third in points allowed, ninth overall defense, just to make it a little better if you needed it. Well, there you go. So that's, that's, that's new news. But, I mean, I feel like we, we could go back and forth all day. And to stop us from just arguing back and forth, let's get on to our next topic. So let's dig into the matchups. I will give you guys two matchups because I don't want to take everything away off the board. I don't want to say everything about these matchups in case anybody agrees. But I got to start since Jim mentioned Nobody covering Devante. Jalen Johnson is having a lights out season so far. In one-on-one -on -one coverage, I think he's only allowed maybe seven catches. And like four of those came against OBJ. So yeah, Devante's going to get some catches. But I think he's going to have less than the 13-14 that you guys are used to him having. Secondly, I am looking forward to watching Eddie Goldman just destroy that rookie center of your guys's. I think Eddie Goldman is going to either beat him time and time again and put him in the dirt, or you guys are going to need two, three people on Eddie Goldman. Bill, what are you thinking? Oh, really quick to piggyback on that uh, great pull on the Eddie Goldman. Uh, that rookie center is also Justin Fields' ex-center from last year. So um, I'm sure he knows Justin well, but... I thought that was an interesting stat that uh, he was essentially Justin Fields center a year before, and now he's Aaron Rodgers center this year. But the things that I, the, the matchups I'm looking forward to, you nailed it with the Jalen Johnson and Devonte Adams. That was actually really high on my list as an individual matchup, but I'm going to really pull it more into more of the positional matchup. The two things I want to see is I want to see Fields exploit a banged up secondary for Green Bay. And then number two, I want to watch Aaron Rodgers have to go against our front seven and stay upright. I mean, I just really think those are the two positional matchups where it's the quarterback versus, you know, like their own impending doom. Can Fields read the field fast enough and get the ball out in time and make sure he can carve up that secondary? And then can Aaron do what he's done before against what I would argue is our 2018, you know, front seven, but a little bit better and some additional depth. So I'm excited to see that. But, you know, we've talked a lot about what we're excited in the matchups where we want to see. So, Jim, what are you guys looking forward to? So I'm going to piggyback off that Devontae Adams and Jalen Johnson. 
Um, so I'm actually going to do this first. I personally have not watched a lot of Bears games this year. So does Jalen Johnson shadow the number one on the other team? I yes. guess, Rick, I'll ask you. Yeah, unlike Kyle Fuller, he doesn't stay to one side. That's my biggest thing of why I'm actually okay with us losing Kyle Fuller in the offseason is because I was tired of our best corner staying to one half. Okay. Also, so, also, pro football focus ranks him number three amongst all corners in press coverage. <laughs> if you're curious. <laughs> he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wasn't curious about that. But um, if that's the logic of Jalen Johnson shadowing the number one, how many tar- receptions did you said he's allowed this year, Rick? I don't have the exact stat, but it's like six or seven. So all seven of them would have had to come week one against the Rams when Cooper Cup went for seven receptions, 108 yards, and one touchdown. And that is not a great stat line for somebody that shadows the number one. And Devonta Adams is a far better receiver than Cooper Cup, in my opinion. So I don't think that Jalen Johnson against Devontae alone will be able to be shut down Devontae by any means. I mean, yeah, he's gonna obviously going to rack up catches because he gets so many targets. But they're going to have to double cover him if they were going to have any sort of success covering Devontae. He's been on an absolute tear the last four games. I mean, just going for over 200 last week. Now, again, the Bengals don't have anybody remotely like high level on their defense to even guard him. But I'm excited for that matchup as well. And to see if they are going to have to double him, then how Randall Cobb's going to react then and eat underneath. And if we are going to eventually get Bob Tunyon in one of these games. What do you think, Tove? Real quick, fellas, can, can I just correct Jim real quick? I said in one-on-one coverage, so not all of those catches for Cooper Cup was in one-on-one coverage. A lot of that was zone coverage where the safety gave up the catch, not Jalen Johnson. When he passes off, that's no longer his man. But and go 50, ahead, 57 yards of that coverage was on a blown play coverage by another player, not him, so statistically better <laughs> i can't imagine there's going to be too many corners that if they hand off a receiver are going to have very high stats then i mean that seems like that's really 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 getting down to the gritty and technical and it's if you shadow a number one that's i mean yeah obviously if you're playing his own coverage you're going to pass him off but that still seems like a pretty high stat line granted yeah one broke blown play but that's still a pretty high stat line from again somebody that's that's in my opinion, not even remotely close to Devontae's skill set. No, I would agree that Devontae Adams is definitely much more matured and farther along in his um, his career and not to mention, you know, where he's at, you know, positionally. But I think Jalen's got a good shot at it. It's going to be an interesting matchup. I think that's the reason we've all gone back and forth so many times is truly that, you know, these two could make or break this game, you know, in one way or another. I, I, I could explain to you like how zone defense works and why those pass offs work, but I, I'm not going to get into it. I, let's let Tove talk. Let's let Tove give his opinion. Sorry, I'm dying. <laughs> you guys are savages. Um, I know we're we're pretty rough. Sorry. No, it's I, I actually pointed at Rick and told him to take that because I'm like, I just met you guys. I don't want to <laughs> be like crucifying people. <laughs> Regardless, all I know is I don't think any one person on the Bears is stopping Devontae Adams. No, I'm with you on that, but yeah. At any rate, the matchup that I'm looking most forward to Definitely has to be Eric Stokes versus Allen Robinson. Pretty sure Robinson's been fairly quiet this year so far. Hasn't had any 100-yard games. I think one touchdown on the season. And Stokes has been better than expected in coverage, even with Jer out. So that's where my eyes are going to be a lot of the game. I mean, Stokes already has one interception, seven passes deflected. I mean, yeah, he's given up a few big plays. He's not meant to be the number one corner. But I think it could potentially be a breakout game for Robinson um, if Stokes isn't on top of his game. And I definitely think that Fields is a legit quarterback. I wouldn't say I have anywhere near as high a hopes for him as Bill does, but I definitely think he has the ability to, to get Robinson the ball. So I'll be watching that pretty closely. 
Well, I, I appreciate uh, that you listen to our podcast because you making that comment tells me that you've listened to a couple episodes to know Bill's passion behind Justin Fields. So I love that. Uh, I, I'm just curious with Allen Robinson being kind of slow, do you think they'll have him cover Allen Robinson or will they have him cover Darnell Mooney? I don't watch enough of the Packers. I, I watched this Sunday and a couple of Sundays ago, but I couldn't tell you what Stokes is doing now that Jair's down. I mean, I, it's hard to say. Stokes pretty much shadowed Jamar Chase last week, so I got to believe he'll shadow whoever the Packers feel like are the biggest receiving threat. Do you think that should be Darnell Mooney? I guess I, I assumed that was still Allen Robinson, but I haven't been watching a ton of Bears games at all. So no, for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's a great question and a good add by you. Um, I, I would argue that it has shifted to Mooney. And um, I mean, he, he sees more sheer targets, makes more splash plays, more chunk plays. A Rob has kind of fallen into the possession style slot receiver, which, you know, he always did well, but he did as a value add, not as a necessity. And more or less it's Mooney um, really garnering all the attention. So if I were green Bay, I would, I would probably follow um, Mooney. He's the one that's gone off each time. Yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to watch for, for sure. Yeah. That's a pretty expensive slot receiver. He'll be somebody else's expensive slot receiver next year. I'm not super high on A-Rob right now. He needs to less talk and more catch. He's playing like I should pay him maybe $11 million a year. Not 21 yeah, I think it'll definitely be interesting to see how the Packers attack that with Stokes. I mean, he basically covered Jamar last week pretty much the whole game but it, like you guys have said I mean A-Rob just ha really hasn't done anything to, to show that they need to to put the best corner on him at this point now I really think they're going to stack the box and have Fields beat them through the air and not allow any sort of ground game to get going but that's going to be interesting to see who who Stokes actually covers I mean that'll be the two te true test of who the Packers think is that number one threat or how the league's going to start viewing that Bears offense if they're going to put the attention towards A-Rob or towards Mooney. I mean, I don't know. Again, have not watching a lot of Bears games. How have they kind of covered A-Rob and Mooney? Have they been putting the number one corner on A-Rob? And is that why Mooney's eating? Or is it just the sheer Mooney's just overall getting better? As far as who's covering who, I, I couldn't tell you enough about the teams that we faced to know exactly who their number one corner is. I, I can just tell you that for sure Mooney has been making the bigger splashes and similar to Jamar Chase. He is our biggest deep threat outside of possibly Marquise Goodwin, but Marquise Goodwin's not going to get enough target share to be worthy of Stokes. Yeah. And, and uh, to piggyback on Rick, I think that, you know, more often than not, you guys are right. Um, A-Rob is getting shadowed um, quite a bit by the number one, but we're seeing less and less of that as Darnell Mooney's uh, route running becomes more of a, I don't know how to put it more known by NFL DBs and the people that he plays the second time around, because he seems to be then once he plays somebody again, garnering more attention uh, from like the number one corner. Cause Darnell Mooney's route running is precision. Like I was, I've heard him compared to several of your standard slot wideouts, but he's got the speed and ability to do that double move and take the top off the defense. So um, eventually it will fully be Mooney, but uh, right now it's probably, you're right. It is probably helping Mooney being covered a Rob being covered a little more by the number one. I shudder to think about Mooney being covered by King from being. Oh honest. God. <laughs> I get goosebumps and excitement when you say that. <laughs> I will say as an honorable mention, I'm curious to see how the bears, I mean, if, if they're trying to get as much pressure as possible on Rogers, which I imagine will be in the game plan. I feel like Aaron Jones is going to make a huge huge impact in the passing game. So as an honorable mention, I'm curious to see how that shakes out as well. I'm actually super glad you said that, Chris, because I was just thinking nobody talked about the matchup as far as can Aaron Rodgers continue to get the ball out. What's Aaron Rodgers versus the Bears secondary for the first four seconds look like? Because if you give Aaron Rodgers more than four seconds, he's going to find somebody downfield. 
But if he can, I mean, getting four seconds against our front seven is going to be very hard is my point. And so can he find those quick passes to tire out our front seven so that by the third, fourth quarter, as he's done historically, he can start going deep to, uh, well, previously MVS, but whoever is going to be that deep threat, probably Randall Cobb. So my question is, can the Bears secondary cover the receivers for at least four seconds? Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see. Matt LaFleur has done a great job of scheming those short passes, those like runs, the draws. So it's going to it's going to depend on more so the play calling, I guess. The, obviously, the Bears secondary is going to have to adjust and be able to cover for long. But the way Lafleur schemes those short passes, when even if it's if it's a wide receiver screen to someone like Devontae, where you have a tight end and a receiver over on that side, Devontae just does it literally just steps to the side. Rogers already throwing him the ball, and we get blockers out there. It's it's basically a run play, but it gets the ball out of Rogers' hands quick enough where the, that pass rush can't get there. We we've done that pretty well. But, I mean, granted, we haven't faced a front seven to the Bears' level yet. Pittsburgh's obviously is very good, and Rodgers was pressured quite a bit that game. So it's going to be really interesting to see how LaFleur calls those plays and, and gets those schemes open because I don't think we're going to have the time to throw deep to, to really anybody, even Cobb. Cobb's so old now where he just eats underneath. He's that third down possession, just go get the ball when you need him kind of guy. So I think he's going to have a big game, though, because, again, it's those, those quick passes to get the ball out. No, I completely agree, guys. And um, I appreciate having you guys on. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I think we should get to some predictions, don't you, Rick? Let's see what we all think is going to shake out. Yeah, definitely. Since we started off the last section, uh, let's let the Packers guys go first. I know that uh, because I also listen to our sister podcast. I know Chris was actually kind of close on his prediction last week. So I want to see where these guys have their heads at. Yeah, that's it's kind of it's kind of tough because I could see this game playing out a a few different ways, Um, all, of course, in which the Packers win, um, but a few different ways. Nonetheless, I'm going to take the Packers 27 to 17. I'm going to have to agree with my talking cheese counterpart. The Packers are definitely going to take the W on this one. I think the Packers are going to score 27 as well. And I don't think the Bears are going to put up more than 10 points on this Packers defense right now. I'm just not a believer in fields yet. He's going to have to show me a lot this week. Well, I think this is the week that we open up that offense. I think we played it slow, played very conservative. I have mentioned my grief about the conservative play calling, but I think that Bill Lazor is going to come through for me and we're going to start throwing some deep balls and I got to say, Justin Fields has one of the prettiest deep balls I've seen. I have the Bears winning this 27 to 21. All right. And um, I I hope I think you're right. I think we open up the offense. I think they've run this run heavy um, play action pass style offense. And we've kind of held some things close to the vest. You started to see it when we were taking bars and putting him in motion last game. He's an offensive lineman. For, for my talking cheese counterparts. And uh, we were doing some things uh, to change some of the complexity of the look before this pre-snap, which we weren't doing before. So I really think that, that uh, he's going to um, unleash the offense and um, the power of Justin Fields will be felt by the Green Bay faithful. And uh, I think that this one, I'm going to hearken back to uh, December of 2018, the last time we beat Green Bay. And I think we have the same score, uh, 24-17 Bears. All right, Tolf. Well, that was an absolute pleasure. I loved having the Bears Den join us. It's always nice to get some more minds in here, get another outlook at the game, especially from the arch nemesis's eyes, you know. But let's get into the fantasy section. This is one of my favorite sections this week. Maybe even a little bit more. Maybe even a little bit more. How did it play out this week? Who did you have and how many points did they put up? Well, since I had first pick last week, I had Devontae, Aaron Jones, and Joe Mixon. Grand total of 55. The only noteworthy one being Devontae for 33. Um, And then Jones and Mixon, they both did all right. Jones had 12 and a half, and Mixon had nine and a half. 55 is a solid number. It's a solid number. 
This week, I had Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase. Rodgers and Burrow put up 19 apiece with Jamar Chase having himself a little bit of a game as well, having a 25-and-a-half point game, which brought my total to 63-and-a-half. I took the dub this week, Toph. I finally got a week on you. It feels pretty good, I would have to say. That you did, sir. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Hopefully it'll start a streak here. We won't resort back to my old ways. But let's get into it this week. It's going to be interesting with the Bears. We're traveling down to Chicago, obviously, and uh, the Bears really don't have a lot of great talents to choose from. So let's see how this plays out. You had the first pick last week, so therefore I get Devontae this week because we all know he's going to be the number one pick every week. How could he not? So Devontae Adams, sir, what do you got? I think I'm going to go with the uh, second overall pick every week, Aaron Rodgers. You know, Toph, I would be surprised if that changed at all during this segment we have here on the on the show. But, hey, who knows? Maybe we'll go up against somebody crazy that we want in there. What do I do here, Toph? Do I get the bear out of the way because there's only really one true person to pick? Or do I take the Packer? You know what? I'm going to go to the dark side. Justin Fields. All right, all right. wasn't wasn't expecting that, but I suppose you don't want to let me have two quarterbacks. Worked for you last week. In that case, I'll take Jonesy. Thought about taking AJ Dillon, but I'm gonna go Aaron Jones. Well, that makes this hard. Do I go AJ Dillon or Randall Cobb? <laughs> you know the Bears front seven is pretty ferocious. I think we're gonna eat more in the passing game this year, this week. I'm going to go Randall Cobb, sir. Ooh, nice pick. Nice pick. I suppose I got to get my bear here. So I'm going to go with Damian Williams. Yeah, I think that's about all you can do at this point. <laughs> until we until we see something else, there's really not a lot of, of threats on that Bears team. One could make an argument for Mooney. Our Bears Den bros probably would, but I'm going with Williams. Yeah, I think it really is kind of a toss-up between those two, I suppose. Mooney's had a pretty decent year, but I just think that Eric Stokes is going to be able to play pretty well against him. You know, he's big-bodied. He's fast. We'll see. We'll see. Indeed, we will. Looking forward to it. As I am looking forward to this week, it's rivalry week. Packers go down to Soldier Field. They're going to get the dub, Toph. I'm feeling great coming off this last W. Four win streak is going to make it five. Well, that's all we got for you this week, guys. Thank you again, Cheeseheads. It's been an absolute pleasure. We look forward to talking to you next week. This has been Episode 6 of Talking Cheese with